Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And we've got a breaking news quickie. A couple of big things have happened. This is Robert along with Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. If you're new to the party, welcome aboard. 45 years in journalism between the two of us. 35 covering sports in the Houston area. And Sean, the breaking news over the last couple of days, we'll start with Astros GM Dana Brown, the Astros have hired another general manager. There was panic among the fan base that they had hired Brad Osmus. They were worried about that among the fan base. It's a sigh of relief. What was your reaction on the hiring of Dana Brown? I think uh, the Houston Chronicle uh, had the best headline, and I might have said it a couple of days ago when we were talking about it. Perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I mean, they got the best guy, I thought, at least that they talked to and interviewed for the job on the market. Dana Brown, his track record is impeccable. He comes highly regarded as a talent evaluator. That was talked about quite a bit upon his introductory press conference, um, uh, you know, on Thursday. And so I, I'm, I'm super pumped up about it because we're not having to talk about Jeff Bagwell or Brad Ausmus or anybody else that is underqualified to assume the role of general manager. And, oh, by the way, I think for a guy, while this is his first time being a general manager, is certainly no stranger to front office, uh, front offices in Major League Baseball, how they work. And it does seem like, you know, Jim Crane, uh, while he might very well be involved in some of the bigger deals that the organization does down the road in terms of high-priced free agents retaining um, some of their own star players, maybe like a Kyle Tucker um, you know, if it's this year or next year, or whenever they decide to give him that massive contract, um, he might be involved. But I think the sense that I've got is that Dana Brown is the general manager and he's going to assume all roles and grow into that job. You're not worried at all that the Astros are going to be charged for cheating because they've hired a black general manager with a black manager. I mean, I don't think that's legal in Major League Baseball, right? How many times has that happened? <laughs> There's how many times has that happened? Like I, 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 I was doing research on the topic of black general managers in Major League Baseball history uh, a few days ago. Whenever Dana Brown emerged as a top candidate, I'd found like some conflicting stuff, and I thought it was pretty odd, man. You know, and I, I'd consider myself to be like a pretty in-depth researcher, you know, um, a Google machine, if you will. I mean, I scoured the internet and I was just looking all over the place and maybe you can help me with this, but the the first quote unquote uh, black general manager was in the 70s and he assumed the role for, I believe it was uh, the Atlanta Braves. I could be wrong, but um, Bill Lucas, I believe is his name from 1976 to 1979 and might've gone on to do it for much longer than that, but he died tragically of a brain hemorrhage. And I think Bob Watson, who became the general manager for the Astros under Drayton McLean in 1994, was the first black general manager since. And from that point in time, you'd have had Kenny Williams with the Chicago White Sox. But it's weird because he doesn't officially hold the title of general manager. So you kind of get into some weeds there in the gray area. But I'm super pumped up about uh, Dana Brown. Uh, being the guy and the fact that, you know, okay, he is, he is black, whatever. 
Um, it's kind of cool that I, I think, you know, the Astros have gone on and been able to make that decision that he he's the best guy that they deem to be the best fit here for this organization. Just so happens that he's black. Tremendous. Yeah. How about the record for Houston in general? When you look at David Cully, Levy Smith, Romeo Crennel, Rick Smith, Cecil Cooper. I mean, there's a now it's, it's kind of like we're developing this thing with the, you know, hiring Minority, unfortunately for the Texans, yeah. it hasn't worked out all that well. But no, they, they... but don't, don't include Cully and, and Lovey Smith in that whole thing because that was a situation, you know, okay, <laughs> they were hired, fantastic, whatever. I don't really care about the reasons why. I just can tell you with 100% certainty that no way, shape, or form were those two individuals hired because they thought they were a long-term answer for the organization. They could have been white, black, purple, green, blue, didn't matter. Um, but your point still stands. Yes. Go back and look at Astros history. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't even really want to say Bo Porter because I truly believe that, you know, in race aside that he was just kind of a, a guy to fill the gap during a, a shaky era of Astros baseball. But I don't think there's really ever been any kind of cause of concern in terms of race relations and how they view African-Americans and the hiring practices of these organizations or this organization with the Houston Astro. I know the Houston Texans, I mean, they're mired in a lawsuit right now uh, with the, against their defendants against the Brian, uh, Brian Flores lawsuit. So I understand all of that stuff, but still the point still stands. The Texans might very well hire the top candidate on the market right now, not named Sean Payton, who is a black man and then a damn good uh, defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. What is the D'Amico Ryan's news? Because you were just telling me as we were about to come on <laughs> that it's looking more and more like D'Amico Ryan's is the number one guy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a story up right now on sportsradio610.com. You can check that out. Sportsradio610.com. It's on the front page. Uh, Brandon Scott just posted the story about 20, 25 minutes ago. And it was reports. I think there was a couple of them. Maybe Albert Breer had one. Um, and I'm not certain if it was Tom Pelissero that had the initial report. I have to go back and check. I worry so little about like who actually had the story or whatever. I just care about the story. Um, but there's you can check it out on SportsRadio610.com. Uh, there's a report today that D'Amico Ryan's has emerged as the Texans' top candidate for their head coaching vacancy and that there is mutual interest between the two and they're expected to meet for the second time uh, next week. Obviously, we talked about this a few days ago. Today's January 27th. Um, D'Amico Ryans, Jonathan Gannon, and Shane Steichen, being is that they're both, um, both, both of their teams are playing in the AFC-NFC championship games respectively this weekend. They can't speak to any prospective employer until after January 30th. That's just in accordance with league rules. So uh, fantastic news for the Houston Texans and D'Amico Ryans, who I, I guess we've talked about this a little bit, Robert, but D'Amico is like the one guy not named Sean Payton, but the only guy not named Sean Payton, I should say, that wasn't going to cost you draft capital, wasn't going to cost you a reported 20 to $25 million per, but also, you know, had the flexibility unto himself to be choosy with the job because he's such a hot commodity. He could have taken any job he wanted to. And the fact that he's emerged and there's mutual interest between the two sides, the Texans and Ryan's as the top candidate 
it's fantastic news. And I think he'd be a great fit here, but I also think he'd be a great fit anywhere. Yeah, he's getting all the props from all around uh, former Texans. You've got J.J. Watt and others that are just uh, ringing, singing his praise, I should say. And and yep. I tell you what, D'Amico Ryans, you, you can't not be excited about just the leadership that we know D'Amico Ryans has because we saw it firsthand with the Texans. That is not a story, but obviously that's something that if you're a Texans fan, you know that part he's got down. The leadership is 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 a big deal, and and he's definitely that. And of course, he knows defense with what he's done with the 49ers. Hundred percent. You know, I was just reading back before um, you know we decided to come on and talk about these things um, on some comments that Kyle Shanahan made. Um, you know, in the past in regard to D'Amico's uh, his work ethic, his knowledge, and his ability to lead and not be afraid to kind of, um, you know, assume a leadership role, even as a linebacker coach, you know, three years ago before he'd gotten the defensive coordinator position with the 49ers, where he would stay up late at night, you know, drawing up schemes defensively and come practice time, you know, he's kind of a take charge guy, is out there calling plays, getting guys aligned, and just being a football coach. And Kyle Shanahan said at the time, he was like, you know, that's something that really struck me about him and really gave me the thought, you know what, this guy could absolutely be a head football coach in this league one day. And it just, it, it, it's validation upon the things that we already knew about D'Amico Ryans as a football player, watching him for seven or eight years as a Houston Texan before moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. We knew what kind of a leader, what kind of a player, what kind of, um, you know, person he was. Uh, always gracious with the media, answered everybody's questions, and they were thoughtful responses to questions. Um, and those are all of the, you know, kind of intangible things that you would like to see out of a head coach. Absolutely. You look at somebody like Mike Vrabel with the Titans, and forget everything else about Mike Vrabel as far as scheme and, you know, what he knows about defense. It's just the fact that He's in charge. They look like a competent team, no matter what's going on with the Titans. It's not about, oh, he's this incredible scheme guy offensively or defensively. You just know that the Titans have good leadership. He knows what to do, how to do it, and they get the most out of what they've got. I mean, the Titans haven't won a Super Bowl under Mike Vrabel, but I just feel like he's going he's gonna to milk every single win out of that team that is there. And he kind of has, right? <laughs> you know, since yeah. he's taken over, it's I always I always kind of laugh and, you know, side eye some of the preseason, you know, AFC South predictions, like who's going to finish where and playoff teams. And, you know, I, I feel like in recent years, like the Tennessee Titans have kind of been towards the bottom. Um, I think they were, in fact, going into the 2022 season of the AFC South in terms of everybody's predictions. And it's like, you know what, like, if have we not learned anything? It kind of hasn't mattered who's been the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. You know, they squeezed everything they possibly could have out of Ryan Tannehill. But they have that one guy that is just a thorn in every team's side because he's one of the best at what he does in Derrick Henry. And they're just they've been talent rich, like in spots all in, in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams, for a lot of years now. And, oh, by the way, Mike Vrabel just, as you said, finds a way to get the very best out of those guys. And I do absolutely see, you know, some similarities. And 
we're going to see it firsthand, you know, because there are some, there is talent in some spots on this Houston Texans team. I said that's so sure, right? I mean, he hadn't got the job yet, but we certainly feel like he will in D'Amico Ryans. We could see that firsthand here coming from a talent-rich organization, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, Robert, as he's coming from in San Francisco. There's some pieces here, but we're going to see just how much he can squeeze out of the talent that does exist on this Houston Texans roster, presumably, hopefully, um, you know, eight, nine, ten months away from now. Yeah, and I just hope it's not one of these situations where everybody gets excited about D'Amico and then they hire somebody like Jonathan Gannon and everybody goes, oh, another Texans failure. Just wait and see. We have no idea how these guys are going to work out. You think you know about a coach. You think you know what he is, and you just don't. And so uh, we are recording. I, I'll timestamp this so people know this is 217 on January the 27th on Friday. So anything is possible, but... At least we know there's good news about the Astros. There's potential good news about the Texans moving forward. These organizations trying to get things a little bit back on track. Of course, the Astros don't need to get it that far back on track. It's just, you know, keep it on the World Series uh, championship track. But the Texans, of course, trying to get things back together. So we'll have more on this on Monday. And if you want to listen to more on Dana Brown, go back to our Monday show. Or there's also a clip that I put up from that show earlier this week where Sean gets into details on Dana Brown, where he profiled him on his website. And so he's done a deep dive into Dana Brown and, and who Dana is and why he could be very successful with the Astros. So go check that out. Thanks again, Sean. We'll do it again on Monday. Enjoyed it, man. Take it easy. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.